0: you to tonight's edition of Bible News Radio. This is Sunday Night in the Scriptures. Sunday in the Scriptures uh, with Randall. As you guys know, he does uh, Bible teaching most Sunday nights. Mm-hmm. I'm here for announcements, primarily. Kind of like a Sunday night service. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so tonight, I want to share with you uh Randall's going to do the study, but I want to share with you that coming up this Tuesday on uh, this week, 7 p.m. Central Time, I am going to be teaching a Bible study, starting a brand new Bible study in the book of Revelation. Yeah. Revelation. That's a book that a lot of people are afraid to to study because it's kind of intimidating. This music is funky, isn't it?
1: yeah, it is. Is this your music? Yes.
0: All right. Well, anyway, so a lot of people don't want to study Revelation because they see it as tim- intimidating. Uh, but you know what? We're going to be looking at it. We're going to be doing, you know, an overview. We're going to go a little deep. We're going to go a little wide. We're going to see how the book of Revelation pertains to today, as well as look at what um, the Old Testament. In fact, I was just reading tonight uh, uh, in a book that there are approximately 400 verses in the book of Revelation and there's 800 allusions to the Old Testament in the book of Revelation. And oftentimes, times, if, you, if you're not aware of it, but the book of Daniel is considered kind of like the, the revelation of the Old Testament. So, Revelation is going to be uh, a fun study. It's the only book in the Bible that we um, know about that says specifically that you'll get a blessing if you read it. Um, and so, I'm inviting you to come and be a part of my Zoom study. Uh, if you're interested, all I need is your email address, so we can put you on the email list to get the Zoom link and all of that. Um, so, hit me up on social media wherever you're watching this. This you can send me a message on. My Twitter account, at Bible News Radio. You can go to BibleNewsRadio.com. You can put in, send me an email. You can message me on Facebook. Uh, YouTube, really. I guess you can message me on YouTube, too. I don't really check YouTube, even though I think that's the only place we're actually on tonight because we're still having some problems with our uh, service. And then the other thing I wanted to remind you of, too, if, if you don't want to do a, a Bible study with me, but you would like to jump to a brand new Bible study in the book of Judges, then my friend Pam Gillespie is actually launching her study in Judges. Uh, you'll have to get the book, the Bible study book, which I highly recommend. I've already gotten the first chapter uh, sent to me because you got to order it through Precept Ministries because it's not available anywhere else because it's a Precept Bible study. Um, if you go to bit.ly forward slash... NOV, N-O-V, Judges, and that's all caps. If you go to bit.ly forward slash N-O-V-J-U-D-G-E-S, that is where you can click the link. It will take you directly to the MailChimp sign-in page. Put in your name, your email, then you'll get an email that will send you a link to where you can buy the book. It's approximately $23 with tax and shipping, um, which is a great deal, actually. I mean, when you consider how much time it takes to write a Bible study and this one I've already seen the the inside of it so definitely worth it that one the way that study would run is that it's only as interactive as you want it to be Uh, Pam will be putting up a video every week you can watch it and then you can comment on the blog and you can do the study at your leisure you don't have to you know there's no you know nobody's gonna grade you or anything My study, I'm going to be giving you a little bit of homework during the off week when I'm not teaching the actual study on Zoom in person. So you have interaction with me, you'll meet some other people. Um, I think I have, right now, I think I have about 30 people on my email list for this study. Um, Probably 12 of those or so are showing up to the study. Maybe more, I don't know. If you want to come, come and join me. I think it'll be fun. Um, And and i think that's pretty much it right Bareface? i think that's it i think that's it for my announcements okay yeah that's cool so how long did it take me to do that what five minutes or so
1: less than that i think huh about five minutes probably less
0: well there you go people there you go so what are you studying tonight
1: Uh, looking at the, the letter of the law, uh, specifically, um, the self-approved life versus the God-approved life.
0: Nice. All right, well.
1: Luke chapter 18 will be our main, main text, but we'll be looking at others.
0: I hope that, uh, I hope that you guys who are tuned into the show, hopefully you are. Um, I can't see because I'm not logged into YouTube yet. But I hope that you guys uh, let Randall know, you know, about his teaching and give us some feedback. Because, you know what, hey, that's, that's the best currency you can get, really, is feedback, prayer. And then if you want to donate to our show, you can do that, too. Um, but it's really encouraging when somebody... Takes time to study God's word and delivers it, you know, if you give some feedback about how it impacts you. Cause, you know, cause otherwise it's kind of like, did you get any of this? Did you, you know, do this? So, um, yeah. So anyway, I like feedback, bareface. I don't know if he does or not, but I do.
1: I do. Unfortunately, I only have one comment stream to monitor tonight. Hmm. Sometimes it's difficult when I've got, um, Notes up and slides up and four different platforms that we're streaming on to see where the comments may be coming in, and sometimes I miss them, so it'll be a little easier tonight that's one one good thing about the multicast service not cooperating is that with a single with a single broadcast stream, there was only one comment uh one chat room to keep an eye on so
0: yeah, okay. I'll
1: be watching for your comments there. Yes, and don't forget... And I see you watching. I see you watching, people. Are they? Yeah.
0: Okay. Shows two people are watching.
1: Yeah, that's plural. That's people. <laughs> I see
0: you watching. There you are. Okay. All right, so here's the thing, too. If you're watching, make sure you can you hit the like button because that, that gives us more credibility in YouTube and make a comment so that we know who you are. Yeah. And, and there you go. Of course... There we go. Live messages. So I'm gonna put high that way. You can see how th- how it's done. There we go. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, bare face. I give it to you.
1: All right. Thank you, love. Okay. All right. Um, you know, recently <laughs> there is uh, there's this little confirmation hearing going on on Capitol Hill with uh, Judge Amy Coney Barrett and, of course, the Judiciary Committee. Uh, I was going to say with the questions, but primarily with their commentary and their soliloquies, uh, with the occasional question thrown in there. But, you know, what is partly at stake there is uh, Judge Barrett being a constructionist, that is, that, um, that the Constitution of the United States of America is is what it is, it means what it says it means. It's, you know, as the founders intended it, it's not some living, breathable document that can be uh, folded, spindled, and mutilated uh, to make it say anything you want in current uh, culture. Um, But that got me thinking about, um, you know, the, the law of God. And the, and the and the letter of the law there and things that are in scripture regarding the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law and i think a great uh, illustration of that is found in Luke chapter 18 in a parable that uh, yeshua jesus gave and we're going to take a look at that tonight and as i'm fond of saying not my not my Whatever, I didn't originate it, but uh, I got it from somewhere else. But it's so true that the Bible is the only book that comes with this author. Uh, So it makes sense to approach the author uh, when reading it. Let's do that. Father God, you are an awesome God, worthy of all glory, all honor, all blessing, all power and praise. We are thankful for this, thy word which you have preserved throughout the ages. Uh, for our instruction, for our equipping, uh, that we might be transformed into the image of your own Son, the Lord, Yeshua, Messiah. And we pray that uh, you would use this time uh, to speak to us, that we might have receptive hearts, receptive spirits uh, that are willing uh, to change the change that you bring from the inside outward. And we offer ourselves, and this time to you, to use as you will for our good, your glory. We ask it in the name above every other name. Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. Alright, I've even prepared some slides for you all here. So, let me, that should be about there. There we go. We're looking at the letter of the law. What does the Lord require of you? And find my controls here we're starting off in Luke chapter 18 verses 9 through 14 let's read together also he that would be Yeshua Jesus also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous hey Mia welcome to the broadcast uh, some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector i fast twice a week i give tithes of all that i possess and the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven but beat his breast saying god be merciful to me a sinner i tell you this man went away down to his house justified rather than the other for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled he who humbles himself will be exalted. There is a great deal of content in this scripture, this short parable that uh, Jesus gave. I believe the greatest storyteller of all time because his parables, they are, they're not verbose, they're not wordy. But they're just packed with so much stuff and such a few words that are so, you know, potentially life-changing, thought-changing, and, and they're, they're powerful. And so we're going to break this down a little bit, starting with the characters that are in this parable, uh, the Pharisee and the tax collector who've gone up to the temple to pray. Uh, first of all, the Pharisee. The Pharisees, that's uh, well, an anglicization of the Greek transliteration of the Hebrew perushim, uh, which means the separated ones. This was a class of, of Jews in the first century particular, particular um, that they were meticulous about separating themselves from anything or anyone else that might be perceived as common or sinful. Uh, in Matthew chapter 5:20, strikingly, uh, Yeshua Jesus said of the Pharisees, "I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven." Um, Uh, The Pharisees were very meticulous about the things of the law, and you find um, quite a few um, condemnations and criticisms coming from the Lord to the Pharisees throughout the New Testament. In fact, the Sermon on the Mount, as we went through it before, really ultimately is a rebuttal of Pharisaical Judaism, uh not the Judaism of coming from the the Torah and the you know the law of Moses but the uh complicated uh laws that the Pharisees added on top of that uh, in their fear of transgressing the law of Moses uh, they nitpicked at the law of Moses and added many other things to it. One of the prime examples was I've shared on this broadcast many a time, Um, I should have brought a a chapter and verse for you, but somewhere in the Torah it says, Thou shalt not seethe or boil a kid uh, in its mother's milk, a goat, you know, a kid of the goats in its mother's milk. While we're not absolutely sure that prohibition um it's believed that that was a a what's the word i'm looking for a um heathen you know heathenistic practice uh there in the region and the command was not to uh be a you know to imitate those practices the Of the heathen cultures around them and just as we're uncertain uh, the Pharisees were uncertain so thou shalt not boil a a kid of the goats in its mother's milk well how do we not do that it seems like well pretty simple (laughs) just don't do that don't take a uh, you know a juvenile goat and boil it in its mother's milk just don't do that but they thought well what if I happen to be eating some meat that comes from the kid of a goat and I happen to wash it down with some milk that came from its mother, then the two components in my stomach, then, you know, I would be boiling, essentially, that goat, that young goat in its mother's milk inside my stomach. And so, so what we ought not to do is to eat... Uh, you know, the goat's meat with goat's milk in the same meal. Well, well, how do can we sure it's goat's meat? Well, how can we, you know, okay, so then it went down to let's not eat meat and dairy at all in the same meal, milk, cheese, whatever. And then, well, what if it just so happened that a speck of cheese from the, you know, goat's milk got on the plate that i had just finished eating you know and then the two would boil in my stomach so to this day your orthodox jewish home will have separate dishes for meat and for dairy not only do you not eat meat and dairy in the same kosher meal but you keep separate dishes for them lest the somehow the mother's milk or goat milk gets cross-contaminated with the uh with the meat of the of the young goat, so that's kind of a little insight uh, to the Pharisees and the complications they added uh, to the law of Moses and the Torah. Now the tax collector, the other character in the story, uh, publican, it says in the Old King James. Um, short short note here <laughs> that. The tax collector was a Jewish employee of the Roman Empire exacting taxes from his kinsmen. So tax collectors, this as is, is that note said, uh, employees of the Roman Empire. And of course, at the time of this parable in the first century, as Yeshua, as Jesus is telling this parable, there's this occupation of by the roman empire the romans and they were the roman empire was very much disliked even though in in judea the the roman province of judea as they called it and and even more specifically in jerusalem in jerusalem Uh, latitude, a fair amount of latitude was given to the Jews to uh, kind of maintain their own government so long as it didn't uh, override or interfere with uh, the government of Rome. Uh, You know, they were allowed to maintain their own laws so as long as they didn't interfere or contradict or uh, preempt Uh, the laws of the Roman Empire which kind of aside of why Yeshua Jesus was crucified that wasn't a Jewish form of execution is because capital punishment uh, was prohibited by the Roman Empire uh, in in Judea and so uh, while they wanted to sentence him to death, it was the Roman Empire that had to carry that out. And the crucifix was the cross was the uh, form of execution, capital punishment, in Rome. Anyway, moving along. so the you know so the Roman Empire was disliked, distrusted, even hated by some people. There were rebellions that came up from time to time, and eventually in AD 66, uh, a revolt that would bring on the wrath of the empire and destroy the city of uh, Jerusalem in AD 70. Um, So, all along, the Roman Empire, not friends of the Jewish people. Worse yet would be a sellout, a traitor, uh, a Jewish person who would go to work for the Roman government. And of all things, be a tax collector for them, to, to collect taxes from your own kinsmen uh, for the Roman Empire. So, yeah, not not the most uh, appreciated people in that culture. They kept to themselves, pretty much. Remember when Zacchaeus, a tax collector, uh, when Jesus came to his house to eat, he or um i'm thinking matthew matthew was a tax collector as well zacchaeus wasn't he too i believe so anyway you know they gathered together with fellow tax collectors because that's who they hung with because no one else would have anything to do with them so you look at these two characters the pharisee who is perceived as really righteous you know this holy separated don't do anything don't you know smoke, drink, or chew, go with girls that do, anything like that, anything that would be perceived as is sinful, or any one that would be perceived as sinful, they kept their distance. And so when Shua said, uh, you know, unless your righteousness exceeds that, of uh, the Pharisees, scribes and the Pharisees, you not enter the kingdom of heaven. The perception would have been like, what? Like, those are the most righteous people we know. But their righteousness was not true righteousness, uh, as we shall see. All right, so we've got the characters, the Pharisee and the tax collector. We read the Pharisee, going back to Luke chapter 18, verse 11. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. Now the English uh, words there, with himself, are in the Greek uh, prosaeton, which means toward himself. Um, That could mean that he was either... um, isolated by himself he prayed thus with himself he was in camp all by myself one around making sure to stay separate but it could also mean that he prayed toward himself like although externally the prayer was addressed to God he was really just praying with himself Uh, it wasn't really um um an upward directed prayer um, he was in his own untouchable bubble, set apart you know, although, although he formally addressed his prayer to God um, his prayer is, and type of hair was really self-directed um, he's like hey, this is who I am I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or, or even as this tax collector you know, um, kind of stroking his own character who he's not like well what can well, now we know who he's not like tells god who i'm not i'm not like these other people in fact this is who i am verse 12 i fast twice a week i give tithes of all that i possess Now, let's keep in mind that the law of Moses and the Torah specifically requires fasting for only one occasion, and that is the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur. You can read about that in Leviticus chapter 16 and chapter 23, also in Numbers chapter 29, that there's only a requirement God requires in the law of Moses Requires fasting on only one occasion, and fasting is you know certainly mentioned in many other contexts, such as in desperate petitions to God, repentance and despair. But it's not a scheduled practice. You know, we read about when Jonah preached uh, to Nineveh, and then you know the Ninevites repented in sackcloth and ashes, and the king declared a fast. You know, maybe God will change his mind and not. Uh, judge our city. We see Hannah as uh, she's barren and she goes to the, the tabernacle there, the temple slash tabernacle anyway, there in Shiloh. And, and um, she's fasting and praying for a child. And we see many other examples of fasting in the Old Testament. But as far as a requirement, when fasting is required, there is only one required by the law, in the law of Moses. And that is on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And here this Pharisee is saying, hey, I fast twice a week. You know, every Tuesday and Thursday, you know, so where is the, where is the, where is the, the heart of repentance or despair or you know this desperate petition of God is just like, hey, this is what I do. Twice a week I fast. Uh, that's that's a holy end. I'm not waiting for a special occasion. I'm I just make sure to schedule it in there. Twice a week I fast. Oh no problem, Jerry. Come on in. He says, "I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. Uh, the The law of Moses requires three tithes. the litical, the Levitical, or sacred tithe. It's ongoing in which people give a tenth of their produce to support the priests. The priests were not giving were not given any allocation of land, any inheritance in the promised land. Uh, their inheritance was to serve the Lord in the various aspects." of the temple or the tabernacle, um, from from the priests down to those that handled the articles of the temple, etc. And they were to live off of basically a tenth of all the other tribes gave to them. Uh, there's the tithe of the feast we read about in Deuteronomy chapter 14, and that was an annual tithe in which they bring the tithe. Uh, then there's the tithe for the poor, also in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 28 and 29, that was taken up every three years. And and all of these speak of tithing from what the land or the animals yield, from the produce of, of your work. Um, the Pharisee here, he says, I give tithes of all that I possess, not just all that I produce, but all I, I possess. Everything that comes... Into my possession, uh, you know whether I produced it or purchased it, and most likely it was purchased. It, if you look at uh, writings of Josephus and other, the Pharisees tended to be the the economic pillars of the community. In any case, obviously pillars of the community, but <laughs> Yeshua Jesus had no uncertain words for them, calling them hypocrites. So I don't know if they're really moral pillars of the community but they were you know the well connected people so um they probably personally didn't produce much they probably purchased a fair amount but i give tithes of all i possess it's not just what i produce everything i possess i am i am so i am so committed to the tithe to tithing i tithe of everything i possess you know whether it's required by the law or not i'm just going to err on the side of caution or being awesome and and tithing uh, of everything i possess so what we've seen so far in this pharisee he says i'm not like i'm not like everybody else i'm not like the adulterer this tax collector over here i'm not like sinful men I fast twice a week. I give tithes of everything I possess. I go above and beyond. And God, I thank you that I'm that way in my awesomeness. And that's what I would call the self-approved uh, spiritual life. What did Yeshua talk or what did how did he <laughs> what did he say about the self approved spiritual life? Matthew chapter six, verse sixteen. Moreover, when you fast, do not like be not do not be like the hypocrites. And hypocrites he often referred to the Pharisees. He said with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that may they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly I say to you, they have their reward. Uh, Matthew chapter 23 about tithing woe to you scribes and pharisees hypocrites for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law justice and mercy and faith these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone blind guides who strain at a strain out a gnat and swallow a camel um what a great word picture there! So meticulous about being perfect according not only to the the law of Moses, but to their own law that they added on top of that the hundreds of laws um, that were added to the 613 commandments of the Old Testament, resulting in over a thousand well over a thousand thousand, thousands, I guess, thousands of laws that they had. Um, And Yeshua refers to those about washing cups and, you know, things about that and washing hands and just, just uh, basically pages and pages of laws on how they were going to be spiritual. You know, it's interesting, I brought this up, I think, either Friday or yesterday during our broadcast, you know, back in the day of transactions, uh, hundreds of years ago, if you bought a horse and a wagon, let's say, you know, it was usually done like a handshake and maybe you get a bill of sale and it's done. Um, These days, I don't know, how many of you ever bought a car? You know, there are pages and pages, paragraphs and paragraphs and section three and paragraph B and where to herein and therefore not to, you know, um, you know, and it's all about limiting liability. You know, they're selling this thing and it's CYA, it's, or CYB, covering, covering your backside. It's not about you, the buyer. It's about the seller. And and absolving themselves of pretty much any responsibility, uh, pages and pages like that, uh, because they're afraid of litigation uh, and a suit-happy society. And because the love of many has grown cold, <laughs> iniquity abounds, uh, these things are drafted by attorneys to protect the seller if you get, you know, cell phone service these days. It's not just, hey, you know, here you go. Here's your sales receipt. Uh, Jerry says, I don't think anyone could follow all those laws. Tell me about it with the car thing. I did that six months ago. Yeah, right on. Or house. I know when we bought our first house, I started like, wait a second. It was first time we'd done that, I started tallying it up a notepad as we went. And I think it was—I don't rem- remember it precisely—but it was thirty-some signatures we had, like forty-some initials, maybe it was fifty, around fifty things we had initial and one thumbprint to, to uh, you know, to finish out the purchase papers on a house. I mean, I—I'm—I I'm, can't be sure, but I probably go to court records and look at the. Uh, House sales or land sales from say 200, 300 years ago, I doubt there's a packet of papers like that that you have for a home sale today. And what I'm getting at is when it comes to so many rules and regulations, it seems to all be about self preservation, it's self focus, covering my backside. That hey, I you know I can check these things off. I'm good. I'm safe. I did these. You can't touch me. And isn't it? Isn't it more than um, coincidental that the Pharisees, the Perushim, the separated ones, the Untouchables—not like the Untouchables in the and the castes of East India, but the Untouchables in the sense of you know, ooh, we're not going to touch, we're not like the common man, we don't go out, we only, when we go to the market, we only go in certain times when the, you know, when the less desirables aren't there, and we make sure not to touch anybody, and, um, you know, we have all these rules for washing things, and, uh, you know, and the separate dishes, and, you know, separate, 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 all these rules about being separate, and sanctified, are all about self approval and self protection and self righteousness as the as the parable starts out in Luke 18 he says you need to point out those who trusted in themselves all all about um um that self approved spiritual life Matthew chapter 7 You who practice lawlessness. Now, does it sound like lawlessness to prophesy, to cast out demons, to do miracles? Especially in the name, in the name of Yeshua, in the name of Jesus, the name above every other name? Does that sound like lawlessness to you? I mean, doesn't that sound like revival to you? But, you say, he said, I will declare to them I never knew you. Depart from me who you practice lawlessness. It was lawlessness because it was done for themselves. It may be done in his name, but again, there on that day, the day of judgment, what they have for the say for themselves is what they had done didn't we do this didn't we do this we did this for you we did you that for you we did that for you see we've got this checklist we can go through them and we can name all the things you that we did for you not what you've done for us not that you gave your life and redeemed us from from the penalty of sin from the power of sin And if we were to enter the kingdom of heaven, even the presence of sin. It's not, Lord, what you've done for us, but look what we've done for you. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of everything that I possess. You know, I'm not like this tactically. I'm not like these adulterers. I'm not like these sinful men. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. Look at me. The self-approved spiritual life. On that day, she will say, depart from me i never knew you you who practice lawlessness it's lawless because it's using his name in vain they're just using it as a justification for their self-approved spiritual life that they're doing these spiritual things without a relationship with him it's fraud that's what makes it lawless Let's get back to the tax collector, shall we? Back to Luke chapter 18, verse 13. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I've bolded there afar off, and uh, the word the words in English far off in Greek is amakra thing. we think of macro, um, large things, and looking at other places where it's used uh, there in the, in the Greek scriptures, the New Testament, I like think it's interesting. Peter followed him at a distance, macrora thing right into the courtyard of the high priest. think about the context of that uh when yeshua was being led off to trial peter followed him at a distance like a safe distance it wasn't he didn't want to follow close behind to the lord he was, he wanted to see what was going to go on but he followed at a distance uh fearful for himself also luke chapter 16 we see this greek word again and being in torments in Hades, speaking of the rich man, uh, Yeshua, Jesus, talking about the rich man and Lazarus, which some Bibles call a parable. I don't think it's a parable. It doesn't say that it's a parable. It's not introduced as a parable. And the people are given names, uh, unlike parables. Anyway, and being in torments in Hades, that would be this rich man who died and went to Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw... Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom the rich man was separated from paradise he was in you know separated from Abraham's bosom he was he was separated from paradise being in hell separated by his sin and just i want that sense of that greek word of far off to to tell us about this this tax collector this publican who stood afar off? Um, it's not just a physical distance, perhaps. It's it's a it's an emotional distance he feels. Um, the word is also used of when Yeshua was being crucified. It says that his acquaintances and the women stood looking afar off. You know, they they were they were afraid something might happen to them as well, and they distanced themselves uh, from Messiah. Uh, the word is used again in Revelation chapter 18, I believe, when it's when Babylon is being destroyed. And it says the people stood afar off, afraid for their own lives that they would be destroyed with the city. So there's a sense of fear of this distance. Um, a, um, a, uh, an emotional distance. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven but beat his breast saying god be merciful to me a sinner he doesn't have his accomplishments to rehearse with himself um he's not standing toward himself like the pharisee um pros um ioton uh, he's standing afar off, this distance. Um, he's, not, he's not creating the distance because he's better than. Uh, he's creating the distance because he feels unworthy. Uh, unworthy to come close uh, to the temple. But comes near it, comes to the temple and says, God be merciful me a sinner and that brings us into um more yeah um that line and he says god be merciful to me a sinner um notice his prayer is short <laughs> compared to the pharisees prayer the pharisees prayer was god and thank you that i'm not like other sinful men, not like the adulterers or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. Uh, By comparison, we have this very short prayer, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Matthew chapter 6, Yeshua said, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward but you when you pray go into your room and when you have shut your door pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly and when you pray do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do for they think that they will be heard for their many words Uh, this prayer God, be merciful to me, a sinner, is spoken from standing afar off. It's not in a street corner. Uh, it's not to be seen by anyone. In fact, he doesn't even look to heaven. He beats his breast. His prayer is not like the heathen, filled with many words. It's very short. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. It reminds me of when Peter I was out on the boat uh the storm and then Yeshua Jesus comes walking by in the water and Peter says, Hey, if Lord, if that's you, bid me, call me to come out to you. And he says, Come, Peter. And Peter starts to walk um, on the water. Uh, but the in the scripture tells us that when he saw the waves and the boisterous wind and his heart sank first and then he began to sink. That as it began to sink he threw up this big prayer of solemn repentance and, and no, no, he said, Lord, help. That was his prayer. Lord, recognizing the one who could help and simply help. Um, much like the prayer of this tax collector. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You're God, I'm a sinner, I need help, I need mercy, you're the one who can give it. He wasn't looking for approval, um, you know, here are my list of spiritual accomplishments. The self-approved spiritual life, this was the God-approved spiritual life. Because God says, I tell you. This man, the tax collector, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. All right, TR Fun Guy in the house, and um Hey, thanks for turning me on to the scriptures. uh the 2009 edition i was able to find that it's is available as a download for uh e-sword and um was reading about the the translation of the scriptures and like the scriptures ts and started to read them so i don't know how i missed that all these years but great great stuff thanks for turning me on i was going to use that as the text but didn't have ready access on this computer, I don't have eSword um, installed, anyway, so using Bible Hub, so I'm using the New King James, but yes, so Yeshua says, I tell you, this man went to his house, justified rather than the other, um, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted which echoes Psalm 51, verse 17, which tells us the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. You know, you can come to the Lord with a list of spiritual accomplishments. Maybe they're genuine, maybe they're lawless as the ones uh, spoken of in Matthew chapter seven, but coming with a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, those are sacrifices that he will never despise. That humility before the Lord is something he will always welcome and accept as the God-approved spiritual life. So the letter versus the Spirit. I'm to bring you another verse. Verse says, another section of Scripture. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1-6. through 6. Paul writes to the Corinthian believers, he says, Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you? Or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle, written in our hearts known and read by all men clearly you are an epistle of christ ministered by us written not with ink but by the spirit of the living god not on tablets of stone but on tablets of flesh that is the heart and we have such trust through christ toward god Not that we are sufficient of ourselves, to think of anything as being from ourselves. But our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. I could bring up several other scriptures where Paul talks about the law, the Torah, the law of Moses as our schoolmaster, basically showing us our unrighteousness, uh, showing us our sinfulness that we can't measure up. Um, as Jerry said earlier in the chat, I don't think anyone could follow all those laws. They've, no, we can't. Um, the law shows us where we are unholy. God is holy. He is righteous. We're unrighteous. Um, does that mean that the law is stupid and throw it out because no one can keep it? No, not at all. Because it still reveals the holiness of God and our unholiness. Uh, we can't keep it, so should we jettison it? No, because it shows us the righteousness of God. Not that we're going to get, you know, follow the law. For a self approved spiritual law, but because we are God approved by our humility, um, certainly we could endeavor to keep the law, follow the words of the Lord. As he said, he who hears my words and does them, you know, does the will of my Father, that person will be like a person, like a person who built his house on a rock. Um, the the unshakable life uh the life that produces the fruit of the spirit um, is endeavoring to do the things that please God out of our love for him, not to get our gain his love, earn his love, get his approval, but because he has already approved us. What does gospel of John tell us? Uh, chapter 1, verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Notice the law was given through Moses. It doesn't say grace came through Jesus Christ. Not well, There was law, but now we have grace, so forget the law. We have grace now. For, the law came through Moses. We're done with that. Throw it in the trash heap. Now we've got grace. Grace, you know, that all things are accepted. We can do whatever we want. Hyper grace. We can live like the devil and enter in the kingdom of heaven. No. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It's not just grace, do whatever you want. What I'm so I'm sorry, we are saved through grace. Amen. Uh salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. It's what he has done for us. He purchased. You know, he fulfilled the law. Uh, he he lived the life that we could not live. He died the death that we deserve so that we could live the life that he deserves. Um, you know, the law came through Moses showing us our unrighteousness, our unholiness, but grace that freed us from the righteous requirement of the law and truth that we honestly need to look at ourselves. As James writes... He says the, you know, the man who looks into the perfect law of liberty. Interesting calls of that. The perfect law of liberty is not a law of oppression, but of liberty, frees. He says the man who looks into the law, and then, and is a hearer only, not a doer of it. Just looks at the law. He says is like a man beholding his face, natural face in the mirror sees it, and then goes away and forgets what manner of man he was. When we look into the law, we see ourselves. We see our unholiness. We see our need of a Savior. And we see the righteousness and holiness of our Savior. We see the truth. We see grace and truth in Christ. We need to be doers of the word as well. When James was writing, there wasn't a New Testament. I mean, there were... There were yes, there were epistles written, and he was writing one too, which became, you know, bound together in what we call, you know, the New Testament, the New Covenant, the New Covenant spoken of in Jeremiah chapter thirty-one. Anyway, back to the, back to the present, you know that that it's the the law of liberty comes from the being a doer of the word, not just a hearer, and. So uh, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came from Jesus. Not only the uh, being relieved of the righteous requirement of the law because we cannot fill it, there's grace that's you know getting what we don't deserve, but also truth. We need to walk with the Lord in truthfulness. Um, of who we are and our dependence upon Him. Going back to the Old Testament, Micah six eight, He has shown you O man. What is good, and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, and don't do anything unjustly. Uh, you know that that favors one person to another. James talks about not being a respecter of persons because God is not a respecter of persons. Do justly, to love mercy. Uh, Because mercy triumphs over judgment. It's, you know, whereas we, in our flesh, we want to exercise judgment and justice. um, God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Do we have a place for a justice system in in a nation and a judicial system? Yes, we do. Um, but that's, a, it's, it's not a judgment system. It's a justice system to make sure that no one is done, treated unjustly. Those, uh, those criminals who have committed a crime for them to get off scot-free and do what they, whatever they want to do or profit from their, um, illicit gain, you know, if they rob a bank and get to keep the money or kill someone and take the stuff, whatever, that would be unjust. So we have a justice system uh, to make things equitable. Um, You do crime, you do time. So to do justly is not to do an injustice. To love mercy would be, even though we want to uh, exact judgment and revenge on someone, we're to love mercy. To not give what they deserve in a bad way, grace is getting what we don't deserve uh, like we deserve hell, but we've get gotten grace we've gotten we've received eternal life in Christ Jesus if we receive him, but also mercy uh, mercy is not getting what we do deserve um and we deserve a lot less not just being. It's not that we've um uh, been redeemed from penalty um but uh you know then boy, my brain's going fast in the mouth I'm sorry um ultimately we we don't get what we do deserve uh it's not just like okay. You're forgiven for these things. Now go on and live your miserable life. No, we walk in newness of life, even since Christ was, as raised from the dead. Even so, we should walk in newness of life. Behold, all things become new. Old things have passed away. That there's this newness. We don't get what we deserve. Um, we get far better than that. So anyway, so the encouragement of the Lord in in Micah 6, 8 is to do justly, to love mercy, to, you know, let, let the Lord take care of it. Vengeance is mine. I says the Lord and to love it when someone is given mercy, when to be merciful on someone, to love it when someone doesn't get what they do deserve. Not that they, you know, if, if they're repentant about it again, uh going back to the justice system we want we want justice we want a just society in fact the united states constitution the united states of america begins with an order to form you know we the people of the united states in order to form a more perfect union establish justice that's an important thing it's important to god but loving mercy you know throw yourself on the mercy of the court as as the tax collector through himself on the mercy of God, God be merciful to me, a sinner. We're to love that when the repentant person doesn't get what they deserve. Um, and to walk humbly with your God. Certainly with the example of the Pharisee in the parable, checking off his list, I fast twice a week, and give tithes of all I possess. That's not walk, walking humbly with God. That's the self-approved spiritual life versus the God-approved spiritual life. Wow, it's after 8 o'clock. Can you believe it? Anyway, so, the letter of the law. The letter of the law kills. Um, Because if we try to live by that and try to live a spiritual life off the checklist of the law, uh, it doesn't end well letter kills spirit gives life so what does the lord require of you but to do justly love mercy walk humbly with god all right well thanks for joining me i'm gonna pray us out and then uh call this call this a night father god I thank you for all of those who um lord tuned in live, and I thank you for those who uh, watched the replay. And I pray that uh, their hearts, Lord, continue uh, to be humble before you, knowing that the sacrifices that you do not despise, according to Psalm 51, are that broken spirit, that broken and contrite heart, that walking humbly with you. uh, Although we desire and strive to do things that are pleasing to you, Lord, to not be hearers only of the word, but also doers. Lord, to know that um, we depend on you. You are the vine, we are the branches. Uh, Lord, keep us abiding in you, for we can do nothing without you. Uh, We can do no good thing. Within us is no good thing, as the Apostle Paul said. Within me, that is in my flesh, uh, nothing good dwells. But Lord, you have placed your spirit within us, those of us who have called upon you that said, God, be merciful to me, be merciful to me, a sinner, and have received your grace, the gift of your son, the gift of eternal life. I pray for these that uh, they will continue. Lord, walk not only in humility, because of that, the joy. Restore to them the joy of your salvation, the joy of the Lord. May that be their strength, and may that joy be contagious as they go out, uh, either online or in person, wherever they be, in the encounters that they have. May the joy be evident um, that their confidence is in in you, uh, Lord Yeshua, Messiah. Uh, Lord, bless them, keep them, make your face to shine upon them, be gracious unto them, lift up your countenance upon them, give them peace. Bless you all in the name of the Lord, and we'll see you, um, well, Friday if not sooner, and hopefully we'll get the multicast thing straightened out so we'll be on more platforms than one. Uh, I suppose I should set this up for an outro, huh? hard to be the the host and the engineer but here we go good night god bless